1: Greetings, all you movie fans out there. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for being brave enough to tune in to our first episode for this year's Horror Month on Movie Addict Headquarters. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, of course, but if you are one, it's definitely the place for you, especially today, because celebrated Hollywood author and film historian Lori Jacobson is here to kick off our October Horror Month, and she's the perfect guest for the job, folks. Lori has agreed to discuss Hollywood Haunted, her intriguing book that covers more than 100 years of ghostly goings-on in filmland. You know, folks... Spooky tales about haunted houses, hotels, studios, and theaters abound in this entertaining exploration of Hollywood hotspots and famous ghost sightings, including such stars as Lon Chaney, Lucille Ball, Marilyn Monroe, Montgomery Clift, and Errol Flynn. But Lori isn't only interested in spooky things. Just listen to the rest of her impressive background. She's a former stand-up comic who worked out in Harvey Lembeck's comedy improv workshop for years with classmates Robin Williams, John Larroquette, and John Ritter. And while performing with improv groups, Laurie immersed herself in the history of those who came before her. And the stories she uncovered during this period became the basis for her debut book, Hollywood Heartbreak, a history of Hollywood told through the lives and deaths of 31 people. Following its publication, it's no wonder that Lori emerged as a leading Hollywood historian. She has also written and produced documentaries, TV series, and specials. So it's my very great pleasure to bring our guest on right now, Welcome to Movie Addict Headquarters, Lori. I think you belong here.
2: Wow, Betty Jo, I hope I can live up to that fantastic introduction.
1: Well, I just got a little bit uh, exhausted uh, reading (laughs) it, and you're the one that lived through it. (laughs) Wow. Well, we are so, so, so excited to
2: uh, to have you with to Oh, thank you. I didn't mean to speak over you. I'm thrilled to be here.
1: Yeah, we we are just uh, very eager to talk about uh, your book, Haunted uh, Hollywood. And as I mentioned to you before the the show started, I did get a chance to uh, to read your book. I ordered the e-book, and uh, Laurie, I couldn't leave my computer after <laughs> I started reading the book until I finished every single page. <laughs> So, of course. I wasn't
2: sure if you were going to say you were, you couldn't leave the house afterward
1: because uh, well, you are
2: maybe afraid.
1: Well, I am looking under my bed and and,
2: <laughs> and
1: uh, under the desk here, and uh, uh, you know I'm I, I I am a little a little bit afraid, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, I need to um, to warn some people who may want to sign up for the the chat. Because in the chat room today, if you hear uh, some strange noises, and if there's a, a cold spot somewhere there in the chat room, um, don't don't be too afraid, because we've only in, invited uh, friendly spirits to join us in the in the <laughs> chat room. There you go. <laughs> so, there you go. Ab- absolutely. Well, first, the first thing I want to know, uh, Lori, I'm so glad you you did write this this book, <laughs> but why did you decide to to write write Hollywood Haunted?
2: Well, you know, I I have written about a lot of um, unsolved mysteries, unsolved deaths. Uh, people in Hollywood who died bef- tragically before their time, and there were uh-huh. always ghosts. There were always ghost stories attached to those kinds of stories, and I used to just file them away as part of Hollywood's lore. And then I actually experienced a ghost at the uh-huh. Great uh, Grauman's Chinese Theater. <clears throat> and that's when I thought, "Hey, maybe there's something to this stuff." So I pulled out my file and I grabbed a couple of parapsychologists, and off we went ghost hunting.
1: Oh my gosh, you actually uh, experienced a ghost! Can and it was at the at the Grauman's Chinese Theater. Can you give us a couple of details about that?
2: Of course, you know, I'm hesitant to say I saw a ghost because I didn't see it, but here it but I I well, I'll, here's the story. Um I was um pa- on the board of a Hollywood preservation group at that time mm-hmm. and uh, we were going to give a grand tour of Hollywood's old movie palaces and oh. all the theaters on Hollywood Boulevard had cooperated with us. And I went to Grauman's with about five other stodgy male historians and me uh-huh. for- And we were going to be given a tour, uh, you know, by one person. It was 8 a.m. before the theater opened. And we were strictly there to see where we would place our guides and our docents. And the guide was taking us uh, through the theater, and we got to the main auditorium. And she explained to us that when the theater opened in 1927, there was a live stage show before the film, and the stage at one time could hold up to 200 actors who would come out for these performances. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the screen was much smaller then than it is now, and she offered to let any of us who wished to go up there behind the movie screen. So I thought, you know, this is never going to happen to me again. (laughs) I'm going. Nobody else (laughs) wanted to go. The men, you know, they were chicken. I don't know. They didn't (laughs) want to go so I climbed up onto the stage, and I looked behind the screen, and, you know, it wasn't terribly exciting. Um, Didn't find any long-lost programs or Rudolph Valentino's initials on the wall or anything. So I climbed down from the stage, and I'm walking to this group of people, and just as I get to them, out of the blue, the, the guide says, This place is so haunted. We hadn't even been talking about that and then without anyone saying anything to that statement we were all compelled to turn around and look at the stage and where I had been standing uh hung a ceiling to floor velvet drape mm. someone that we could not see who was standing on the stage which was about 6 feet above the floor, someone standing there had grasped the velvet drape, and we could see the handprints. We could see two handprints grasping the drape. The drape lifted up in that section only and began to shake very angrily. I got a lot of anger. Now, there were no doors and windows back there. It was not blowing in the breeze, and we were the only people in the building, so We all we were all rather dumbfounded, and I managed to utter, "Do you see what I see?" And everyone kind of went, "Uh huh." And then I set a new land speed record that moment, running for the lobby. Uh, It was the anger that really scared me, you know, not not seeing something move of its own volition, but. The anger was very scary. So, long story short, I f- discovered um, years later that a former employee of the theater named Fritz mm-hmm. took his life in the theater, and guess where? Behind the movie mm-hmm. screen, oh. and he hung himself back there. And they're not sure of the year but uh when you pick a public place uh for your uh final curtain it had some tremendous significance to fritz and uh, and it's a little traveled area of the theater and i think he let me know that he did not appreciate me going back there
1: oh my gosh well no wonder you you got interested in this whole uh, topic, and yes,
2: that kind of so kicked it up, That kind of kicked things off.
1: <laughs> I guess so. And so then, um, did you? Uh, you had people helping you with the the research for the book.
2: Well, I already had a great file, you know, of of stories that I had collected over the years. And um, I had heard about this wonderful parapsychologist. His name is Barry Taff, T.AWF, and he had investigated oh, well over a thousand cases at that time, and many more since then, and um, including a rather infamous case um, on which a film was made called "The Entity." Mm-hmm. So Barry had pretty much seen it all and I wanted an expert along with me because I really didn't know how to go ghost hunting back then <laughs> and uh so he he joined me for many of my uh many of my trips to these places and as a writer Betty Jo you're and you you would understand i got to go into the most grand hotels and the most gorgeous homes and also the most horrific most squalid residences uh and old old hotels in hollywood uh so as a writer it was just amazing to see all of these places and um, and then you know to hear the ghost stories or and after a while I got pretty good at uh, recognizing when some when a spirit was present and uh, and and so you know I'm a little bit of a ghost hunter now myself.
1: <laughs> well, yes, yes, you are. Well, what um, I'm sure our listeners uh, would like to know uh, what are some of the signs uh or (laughs) that we might look for i mean i i i think you you don't just see see a ghost uh, you know uh, maybe you just feel the maybe you just feel the ghost i I don't know what are what are the things to look for was i right on telling the uh the the chatters that they they didn't have to worry about a cold spot in the chat room is that one (laughs) one one way of telling whether there's a spirit or a ghost there
2: Yes, a cold spot um, is is one way, and that's you know. Here here's the deal: we walk through life so quickly, it, it's it's a little bit about stopping to smell the roses. Um, when I feel a spirit is present, I get uh, a, a a feeling, a sort of a tingling in my head, um, a little bit like I'm underwater. And if you're walking, it's just, uh, you know, and how many times have you walked into a house and you didn't like it at all right from the start? Mm
0: -hmm. You know,
2: and then sometimes you walk into another house and and you love it and it feels very welcoming. Well, you know, we can't really explain these things, but... um, we walk through life so quickly that you're not really uh, as often aware that, gee, I, I have that little bit of a tingle or a little bit of a headachey feeling when I'm in this room, but when I'm out in the hallway, I don't feel it. And you know, when we go into these homes, we're walking very slowly and we're waiting for that feeling to come over us, uh, and... It, sometimes it does very strongly and sometimes it doesn't um it's one psychic that i worked with described it uh like a radio some people can tune into that frequency and others cannot i see so that's why well, i wanted to take some experts with me uh in case my <laughs> my tuning in was off
1: well that I was doubled a good my idea
2: chance it's yeah, I doubled my chances, and they brought some electronic equipment with them and things like that that I didn't have, so um, it made it uh, it made it a lot more fun, and I I really learned a lot.
1: Well, it's just uh, absolutely fascinating, and, and you you um, uncovered so many or revealed. So many ghostly situations in your in your wonderful book. And what one do you have? One that was the most fascinating to you? The sighting well, of a to, ghost.
2: I worked at, at the comedy store on the Sunset Strip, and uh, I worked there for about a year as a cocktail waitress. And Betty Jo, that place is haunted from the attic to the basement.
0: Oh. And people,
2: people constantly. Now, I never saw anything, so maybe my tuner inner wasn't that great uh, at that time. But um, people constantly saw uh, men in pinstripe suits with wide lapels walking into the offices. Um, they they saw customers. <clears throat> what looked to be customers in the club after hours, drinking from um, glasses that the club didn't even carry. There there weren't glasses mm. like that in the club, and the, and we'd, you know, the the employees would approach them. Excuse me, you're not allowed to be in here, and they would simply disappear. You could hear ladies talking in the in the ladies' room after hours. Um, in an old-fashioned kind of slang, that heel, two-timed me, that crumb, you know, and and I'd go in there and nobody was in there. Um, So it it seemed to be people that, uh, or spirits of people that returned to a place where they had a really nice time or a memorable time, but there was something in the basement that didn't have such a good time and that's Ooh. that's was the scariest story i ever heard are you ready oh. for it
1: yes or well i'm just a minute let me just uh, pull my sweater around here so i don't get too cold okay i'm ready now
2: <laughs> all right well the comedy store used to be hollywood's most glamorous nightclub zeros in the 40s and 50s, that was the place you wanted to be seen. And it was packed day and night. You know, Sammy Davis Jr. made his debut there. Uh, Martin and Lewis made their West Coast debut there. It, it really was the place to perform and the place to be seen in the audience. And when a club is as popular as Heroes was, um, the mob uh, wanted a piece of the action. And one of the uh, talent bookers at the time, uh, in the 50s, actually, was a gentleman named George Schlaughter who went on to produce Laugh-In and many television series and specials. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said that uh, gangster Mickey Cone sent a hat box over every week from the men's clothing store that Cone owned further down on the strip, and uh, there was a note inside every week that politely said, please fill this with money and send it back. Yeah. And Schlott, Mr. Schlaughter told me that's what we did. We filled it with. So, you know, so they there was a piece of the action. Uh, going out to the gangsters. And I imagine some threats went down. A- at any rate, I went there one day with um, Dr. Barry Taff, whom I mentioned, and mm-hmm. he got terrible pains in his legs, as if his legs had been broken, as we were going down the steps to the basement. So oh. there was something in the basement that was terribly unhappy. Now, Cut to comedian Blake Clark. He was security for the club as well as a performer at that time. And one night, he is locking up, and only he and the bartender were were left. And he described a black, shadowy figure uh, coming up from the basement into the hallway mm. of the club and making some kind of guttural noise. It was about seven feet tall, he said, and needless to say, they ran. And he told the owner of the comedy store, I'm never going to the basement. Well, months go by, and the owner needs something from the basement. And Blake reiterates, I'm not going down there. And she said, Mm. you know, I need these boxes, take some friends, and, and... get me what i need so he takes two other guys with him they go down the stairs they are no sooner down there than one of his friends holds his hands out in front of him and is screaming no no get away and he told me later he saw a black shadow like smoke rising from a corner, well, Blake didn't see it that time, but he didn't need to. He had already seen it once, and he grabbed his friend's hands to run, and he said that his friend's hands were burning hot like like he'd been holding them on a stove, and yet all three of the men could see their breath in the room and i mean they are scrambling up the stairs to get out of there and a piece oh of God. cardboard a piece of cardboard falls from out of nowhere hits Blake on the hands he stops to pick it up and it had his name written on it and that's the part that scared me the most. It knew mm. who he was. Oh no. <laughs> and I, that would make me very uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Wow. You know, and
2: it just was like proof that it was a a, a thinking entity. You know, how didn't know who he was. So Oh. So Blake never did go back to the basement after that. <laughs>
1: Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. I, I don't think very many people would. You, you know what, uh, Lori? I think one of your, one of your most avid fans has called in here. Let's I'm let's terrific. see if we've got. Let's see if we've got Judy Joy Jones on the line. Hello, is this Hello. Judy Joy Jones? Yes. How are you? Oh, I'm just uh, just so interested in everything that Lori is saying and. Judy, uh-huh. I want to thank you for being the one to let me know about uh, Hollywood Haunted and about uh, Lori Jacobson. So, so are you? Do you have a question or a, a comment for Lori?
2: Well, I do, and I'm just so excited you have Lori. on. I'm uh, listening. <laughs> I'm grabbing on to every word. It's it's fascinating. I um, just was wondering if you would share something about Lucille Ball you I saw that mentioned and I wondered what what happened with Lucille Ball. Absolutely. Good question. I would love to tell that story. Now, you know, this is a case um you know not all ghosts haunt a place forever, but sometimes as I was saying, spirits return, you know, for example, if your child is getting married, you know, you that might be something you know, you would want to return for. And it doesn't mean you're going to haunt the reception hall the rest of your life. It was just that moment. Well, in the case of Lucille Ball, uh, after she passed away and then subsequently her husband, Gary Morton, passed away, the house that they lived in on Rexford Drive went for sale. And the new owners decided to demolish the house. And everyone in the neighborhood was devastated. I mean, Lucy had lived there over 30 years. It was a landmark. And as you drove by, you could, you know, the walls were coming down. You could see into the house and the wallpaper and the whole bit. So an actor friend who had been very close to Lucy and who had been in her house many times, stopped in front of the house and was looking at the destruction and remembering the rooms that he'd been in and the good times he'd had in there. And then out of the corner of his eye, he noticed a long, tall, lanky redhead walking along the perimeter of the property and jumping up a little to look over the outside wall, just like he was, to see what was happening with the house. And he said, I looked again, she turned around, and so help me God, it was Lucy. And Mm. he said, if you use my name, I'll kill (laughs) you, because people (laughs) will, will think I'm nuts. (laughs) <laughs> but he said, I know with a, without question it was Lucy. And that makes perfect sense to me. She loved mm. that home. She loved mm. that home, and she came by one last time to say goodbye to it. Wow. Oh, that's
1: so, God, what a book. This is incredible. I'm on to this. Oh. Well, well there's I, just so so many stories um, like this, Judy. I'm glad you picked uh, Lucille Ball, and one of the uh, that was really one of my favorites uh, from from the book, uh, Lori. But but uh, when you're talking about a house and a and a, a famous star, I'm I was particularly interested. And, and Judy Joy Jones, are you able to stay on the line with us for a while? Oh, I would love to. Thank you. Great. Well, i um I'm going to ask Lori to tell a little bit about that uh, uh Errol Flynn's house and um wasn't it Ricky Nelson who bought that beautiful house and uh, there were some uh some hauntings uh there. Um
2: Yes. That, could you that fill us a... in on
1: fill us in on that, Lori?
2: Absolutely, you picked another scary one. Now, not all of my stories are scary, but this this is an, another very odd one. Um, Errol Flynn had built a wonderful home on the uh, at the top of Mulholland Drive, a lovely ranch and stables and a swimming pool and a tennis court, and it was really nice. And uh, after he passed away. Uh, it was purchased by Ricky Nelson and he lived there with uh his daughter Tracy and his girlfriend. Well, uh one afternoon Tracy was shooting the TV series Silver Spoons and uh, uh Ricky was away on uh, touring on a, at a concert date. So she pulled into the driveway in the afternoon. And she saw a guy through the living room window talking on the phone. She thought her father had come home early. She goes inside. There's no one there. And she called her father because it was unnerving. And he told her, don't worry, that's Errol. I see him quite often. (laughs) Okay. So Tracy goes upstairs now, mind you, it's daytime, so she doesn't turn on any lights. She just goes upstairs, and she starts looking at her script for the next day. And within about 15 minutes, she hears, uh, she hears noises like someone's breaking in downstairs. So she locks her door, and she hears the noise going through the house, and it goes to the room directly underneath her bedroom, which was her father's trophy room. Uh, All his Grammys, all his awards, all the magazine articles framed on the wall, and she hears it all being broken up. I mean, she hears chairs hitting the wall and glass Mm. crashing, and it, it was a huge commotion that went on for, you know, at least 10 or 15 minutes. And she waited another hour after it stopped before she got up the nerve to go downstairs. And when she went downstairs, every light in the house was on. Uh, Ricky's bedroom door was locked from the inside, and the cats were in there. Mm. And she ventured to the trophy room, and nothing was out of place. Nothing was broken at all. Nothing had been touched, and oh. she moved out the next day.
1: That's <laughs> oh, scary stuff yeah. so
2: when When she moved out, Ricky came home with his girlfriend, and weeks later, same thing happened to them. They were watching television downstairs, and they heard someone in Tracy's room tearing the place apart and oh. they They called the police the police said get out of the house we're on our way so they met the police in the driveway and they go up to Tracy's room again it's locked from the inside all the lights were on and nothing had been touched so we you know we really can't quite figure out what, what was going on um when when Ricky was tragically killed on New Year's Eve in a plane oh. crash Whatever energy was in there turned very dark. Uh, Tracy and her then husband were moving things out of the house, and she said they, after one or two times in the house, they were afraid to go back in. Whatever was mm-hmm. there became so heavy and so dark, they were afraid to reenter the house, and no one bought it every person that went i mean it was a magnificent p- property oh, yes. but no one yes. would buy it it stood empty for a long time there were uh crimes committed in the house mm. and uh and it eventually burned
1: and wow, a mysterious
2: well, fire
1: well we let's move from the from this scary uh, <laughs> goes to to something uh, a little uh, lighter what um uh, what uh, what can you counter that with, <laughs> Lori? Well, what what you th- know, stories do you want to share that aren't aren't quite so scary? Uh,
2: well, let's see. Everybody all loves to hear about Marilyn.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so I will mention that uh, Marilyn used to love to stay at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel, and hotels are are ripe. For ghost stories, there are a lot of dramatic things that happen to people uh, when they're in a hotel, and she loved to stay there. She had a favorite suite in the hotel, and she stayed there so often that she purchased a beautiful full-length antique mirror to hang in her suite. And I'm sure she spent a lot of time in front of that mirror. After she passed away, they removed it from that room and they stored it in the basement of the hotel. And there it sat for 22 years until Mm -hmm. they were doing a big renovation of the Roosevelt. And they found the mirror. But its history had not been Uh, you know, written on a note and kept with the mirror. They just said, oh, gee, this is a pretty mirror. Let's use it. And they installed it in the lower lobby. And on the night of the grand reopening, uh, a waitress was walking by the mirror, and she noticed that it was dirty, so she stopped to polish it. And as she was rubbing the mirror, she saw a blonde in, in the mirror. She thought someone had walked up behind her. She turned around and there was no one there and she looked back in the mirror and clearly there was Marilyn Monroe primping mm-hmm. her you know, primping her mm. makeup fussing with her hair as she must have done hundreds of times in that mirror now is that a haunting um I, you know i think it's energy that's trapped in in an object um it's why you're not supposed to remove objects from sacred burial grounds and oh. and you know but, uh, objects carry energy if you wear a ring or a watch every day that's going to you know carry your energy um so i i what i love about that story is the waitress had no idea of the history of the mirror um nothing had been planted in her mind so I completely believe her.
1: That does sound quite uh believable and uh I was wondering about Lon Chaney uh, Lon Chaney too because he's uh he was uh, quite famous in the day with uh, Phantom of the Opera and uh the mummy and uh, I think he people have seen seen him uh after he passed away uh what were what was the situation there, Lori? Yes,
2: Lon Lon Chaney Sr. was known as yes. the master of horror over at Universal Studios, which was the studio that was the master of horror, and no. um, he has been seen in two places uh, on in one. They built a soundstage just to house the sets to the Paris Opera House for uh, Phantom of the Opera. Um, and I don't know of one other actor that had an entire soundstage built for one of his films. But oh. Universal did it, and his and the sets to that film are still housed in there. And young workers today who don't even sadly know who Lon Chaney Sr. was will go into that sound stage and come out and say, Who's the guy in the cape running along the catwalks?
0: <laughs> and it's it's Lon,
2: but but my favorite but my favorite po- portion of his story is before Lon was discovered, you used to be able to take uh the the streetcar uh, and it stopped at all the studios, and all the mm-hmm. aspiring actors would go from studio to studio to see if there was any work for them that day. And Lon Cheney Sr. was definitely one of those people. He sat every day on a bus bench on the corner of Hollywood and Vine. And he mm-hmm. caught the bus, or the then, as I said, it was a streetcar, uh, to to try and get work. And of course, he was the master of disguise, so he could make himself up for for any part that was available. And after he passed away, regular Los Angeles citizens would see the ghost of Lon Cheney sitting on that bus bench. And I mean mm. to tell you that it was even on the front page of the Los Angeles Times.
0: Wow. Really?
2: Yes. Isn't that crazy? Because yeah. so many people had seen him sitting there, and they put a plaque on the back of the bench that said, be careful where you sit, you might be sitting on Lon Cheney Sr.
1: <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. You know, this, and this book. This book just it's just so uh, wonderful. Judy Joy Jones, you you must tell all your friends about it. And I hope that the listeners will uh will check it out. It's uh in ebook yes. form and it's also on um amazon.com and um am i uh, is there anywhere else that uh, our listeners can find a copy of hollywood haunted Lori?
2: i you know after 20 years i am out of copies and it's um i know there are used copies available but it's strictly an e-book now on amazon yes so thank you for mentioning that
1: I recommend it highly. As I said, I just c- couldn't stop reading it and uh, I'm going to go back because there's so much in it, so so many layers and so many interesting uh, stories. And um, I'm, I'm, The time has just gone by so fast. Uh, this is not enough time to talk with you. Will you <laughs> please come back for another show so we can talk with you more and and um, possibly about some of your other uh, books about Hollywood. Uh, I would you love have one to. On, great, you have one on scandal, uh, dishing Hollywood, or the, the scandals, and then the Hollywood heartbreak, and uh, just so much about about Hollywood. So. I've just been um, uh, thrilled with your uh, with your interview today, and and want to thank you so much for being such a, a terrific guest. And Judy Joy Jones, uh, I owe you one now for putting me in touch with uh, with uh. Lori Jacobson. And uh, uh, Judy is a uh, I don't know whether you know this Lori, but she's a uh, an artist, a, an actress, a sculptor. She's done. Opera librettos. What am I leaving out? She's been a, a very popular radio host here on Blog Talk Radio. Have I left out anything, Judy Joy? Now's now's your chance. <laughs> oh, well, I'm also an avid fan of Lori. You can add that to the the list, and I I will definitely spread this book. Don't you worry. <laughs> I I love it. Yes. Oh, well, good. Well, I I thank Thanks, you. I Judy. thank you both. I, I do have to to make make some some announcements here. Um, I do want everyone to know what's uh, what's going to happen here on Movie Addict headquarters uh, next Tuesday with our second uh, horror month uh, episode. We're very lucky because we did book. Uh, independent filmmaker david spaltrow he's been here on the show a couple of times before and he's been a big hit and he's agreed to tell us all about his new horror film titled in the dark which is a very scary movie about demonic possession and it's having its world premiere Uh, on um, the Friday after the show. So this is a very, very timely show. And then on the following Tuesday, we'll be revisiting our interview with the great Barry Bostwick about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So we've got a lot of exciting things happening here on the Movie Attic Headquarters uh, annual Horror Month. Now, I do want to mention some um, other uh, radio shows that I I hope that the listeners will uh, tune into um, Nancy Lombardo, who is usually in the chat room, but maybe she was too frightened to join today. <laughs> but she's the host of Comedy Concepts right here on Blog Talk Radio. And Lori, you would enjoy that show because you've, you've had a lot of experience as a stand, as a working uh, comedy improv. And uh, uh, Nancy Lombardo's show is. Uh, Broadcast here on Blog Talk Radio uh, every uh, Friday and Monday at uh, 10.30 Eastern Time. And another very entertaining show is the Mom and Pop Shop Show, which is um, aired over there on Dreamstream Radio, and it's hosted by Mr. Showbiz himself, George Bettinger. It's just so much fun, great music and, and a lot of uh, uh, funny things happen on that show. It's it's just a joy to listen to. And uh, don't forget the Wacko Bob shows here on Blog Talk Radio. They're so diverse. Uh, something is on from Wacko Bob's network every day, it seems like. And, and uh, there's something for everybody in the Wacko wheelhouse. Well, I think that we're running out of time now, and I'm so sorry about that because it's been such fun. But uh, please don't forget to check out our film reviews at RealtalkReviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, RealtalkReviews.com. That's all for now, folks. Now, because our guest today is all about Hollywood, let's close the show with a song dedicated to her, Lori, Lori Jacobson. This is just for you.